Good morning again. Every Sunday we have the beauty of inviting a lay person to share with us in the worship experience. And I must say, I totally forgot that it was my son <laughs> that was doing worship today, but it's so good to have a young person that shares with us in worship today. So thanks be to God. We are in the third Sunday of Advent, and Advent encourages us to kind of pause and not rush to Christmas. In this third Sunday of Advent, we are talking about joy. Today, my sermonic theme is handle your business, which seems a little bit ironic, just a little bit ironic to be preaching on today. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for those that are listening in real time and that will listen in a later time. We thank you for this community of faith. Open our hearts and open our ears that there is something for each of us under the Christmas tree, that there is something for us in this message today. You know that we are often on different streets and different spaces, but Lord, speak, speak to all of us so that we hear you and we are inspired and encouraged to go on. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you live long enough, and it looks like many of you in the congregation have lived <laughs> a few years, people will come back from your past, you'll run into people in the streets, and you'll get into conversation, and you'll reminisce about the past, and somebody will say, we should get together soon. And then at some point, you'll leave. There's no date that's been set. It's a nice thing to say, and you've had some conversation, and you feel good about it. This is a pleasant statement to make. We should get together soon. It's a, it's a nice way to, to be pleasant with people without making any commitment. It states intent, but it's not intentional enough. What I have found is very helpful, and only if you really want to connect with the person is to put a date on it. Hey, it was so good seeing you. Can we get a date to hook up and chat? Most of the time when we set a date, we see each other. You see, we have not only expressed how good it was to see each other, but now we have a date in the future that holds us accountable. It is one thing to say, I want to get in shape, but it's another thing to say, I will work out five days a week for 30 minutes and have my last meal before 6 p.m. It's one thing to say, I love to travel. It's another thing to say, I'm going to save this amount of money each month until I get to this day so that I can buy a ticket to go to this place. It's one thing to say, I would love to support the church. But it's another to say, based on my resources, I will stretch myself to give 10% of my income each month to the church. See where I'm going with this? <laughs> For each of these statements, the first half states our desire, and our desires can run pretty wild. But the second half of the statement, how we are going to make our desire a reality, it states our intention and our faithfulness. This is where we enter the biblical text today. John was no pushover, and we learned on last week that he really was intentional about believers handling their business now. He had a two-step process for Christians. One, believe and get baptized. And the second part, repent and change your ways. 
And for John, there was this sense of urgency. It was just not enough to come and take and be fed. It was not enough just to get baptized. It was not enough just to believe. But real, real repentance meant a drastic change in the believer's life. Get up and work. Put some real intention in what you do. In other words, John is saying, handle your business. Do not become too comfortable because you are heirs of Abraham. God's covenant is calling. It is a calling. It's not an entitlement. Recently, I was at a party, and atypical for me, most of the people there were atheists. It's usually the opposite for me when I go to the party. But isn't it always a big leap? But, but, but I think it's not really a big leap between being an atheist and being a Christian. Hold on for a minute. It's no more of a leap to actually believe there is no proof of God's existence than there is this leap that God does actually exist or that Jesus came to earth, or that a virgin gave birth, the whole Christmas story is a leap of faith. But belief in nothing or something in this text is not enough for John. Real belief cries out for an urgent, faithful response. The crowd under John's intense light asks, what shall we do? What is to be our response under the urgency of John's proclamation? In reply, he says three things I shall abbreviate here, and you can read again later in the week at your pleasure. One, share your resources. Two, take no more than is needed. And three, don't exploit others for your own profit. In other words, if you have two coats, share one. In other words, take more, no more than is needed. I remember the Halloween before this one coming across Ann Audrain's stuff, and she had a bunch of candy sitting out there. And she said, take just one for yourself. Take no more than is needed. And last, don't be an opportunist. Don't just do things because it benefits you. This sounds like an equity plan. In other words, a community of persons who have believed and have received John's baptism will be marked by compassionate care for the needy and by justice. John is telling us that change accompanies belief in baptism. When we are urgent about doing what we should do, sharing the gifts that we do have, treating others right, moderating power for the common good, we can change the climate but there is an urgency. When I ask my son to take out the trash, he, continu he continues to do whatever it is he's doing. You see, the only thing I have communicated to him is what I want done. I have not communicated the what, where, how, and especially the when. But something happens when I add one more word to the sentence, now. I want the trash to be taken out now. Why does he stop doing what he does to attend to the trash? Because the urgency of the request is made known. I am specifying I want it done. There is now a need that needs attending to. Urgency shakes us into doing what we need to do now. 
The church is under pressure to change now, and we feel it. The church is under constant constraints to handle our business with faith and creativity. COVID has forced us to make some changes already, but more, more, more is needed. COVID was urgent and forced us to stop and stay put. And for the sustainability of this church, we've been hearing it for a while, change is urgent. For one, as I looked at several hybrid churches, last Sunday, I walked out of our church and I was able to look at a, a couple of other churches, and I noticed that the youth were missing, not just in small churches, but large churches too. For a year, there was no activity for our youth, one of our most impressionable groups. And now we are working with youth and families but not to do the same thing, not to bring the same old activities back, to create a space, an activity, and time that says, we value you. For over a year now, my son has struggled being almost the only young person in service. Their needs, our young people, and their spirituality is different. And even when they come to worship, this worship does not speak to them. Being adult is hard. Can I get anybody to say amen? But being a kid is hard also. Our kids need our support. We are looking for volunteers, hint, hint, and eventually finances that will help us invest in our young people. Sharing is beginning to have a conversation about what we can do for our young people. And me personally, I don't have any time to give to any other cause in our church, but it is urgent. We realize now if we can only meet once or twice a month, that's a start. Because saying to our youth that they matter is, it's urgent. We need to do something for our young people now. A few years ago, when I was going to be on the island of St. Thomas, I looked for things to do. I don't know about you, but when I go on trips, I like to plan every day, and I like to have activities, and I like to have a full agenda of what's going to happen. So I was going to St. Thomas for the first time, and I found a zip line park. I was traveling with other people, so I checked in with the people and said, hey, do we want to do zip line? And they all said yes. And so I booked a spot, and we got in a taxi when we got to the island, and we drove up and up and up a hill. And when we got off, we climbed some more steep steps. And then we got on our gear, and we went up some more hills. I could now see the whole island. That's how far up we were. Somebody could have said we were close to heaven. And so there we were with our other groups there. It was about two other groups in my group. And they'd given us instructions, and so we would get to a section, and each person would fly off, and they told us that the highest you would get was 45 miles per hour, which I think is pretty fast to be in the air flying down. And so in my group, I was the last person to go. And the person just in front of me seemed to put a lot of thought in about taking that step off. And so it kind of began to hold up our line. And so we got to the second stop, and I thought the employee had a wonderful idea. It came down to this person again who was in their thinking, in their thoughts. 
thinking, I guess, about what would happen, you know, if the cable broke. And the employee pushed her off without permission, without alerting her, and through the air she flew. I thought, what a brilliant idea that sometimes you just have to push people. Sometimes when we get in our thinking, and we're good at thinking here, and we're good at meetings, and we're good at processes. Thinking is good, because we want you to bring your thought with you. But when there's the urgency of now, and you have a whole team, and I think John got this too, sometimes you just got to push people right on off. One thing I've learned on my own spiritual journey is there is a time to think and there is a time to be pushed. There is a time to take a leap of faith. John pushes for those who believe and have been baptized to take that leap of faith. So I'm asking you, and I invite this conversation through the weeks and into the new year, what is urgent for our church to do now? I'd love to hear your responses. I'm not asking what are we doing, because of course we're doing a good work. I'm asking you what is urgent for us. How do we respond to what is happening in our community and our global world? What about our seniors? I was talking with one member who really made it clear how alienated she felt by COVID, how now the way we operate, we still aren't really kind of together how COVID has really been a challenge to the way that we gather and the way that we understand and experience community. Both internally and externally, what needs are there since COVID that we as a church could respond to? What needs our attention right now? What are some real opportunities? I invite you in your quiet time to really pray about that and think about that. And if you have ideas, I'd love to hear them because we won't go back to the way things were. This past weekend, I was watching a true story about Miss Virginia Walden Ford. Actually, I was watching it with my son and trying to make a point because parents are often trying to make a point and parents often have agendas. Virginia had three kids, and she could see that the youngest of her children at age 15 was, was failing in school. Virginia could see that she was losing her son. The school was crumbling and failing, in the words of Virginia, and she was shocked that her son had to go to this school because of a zip code. She saw an urgency, she said, in saving her son. She could see that the streets were having an impact on him, the gangs were having an impact on them, and she felt like if she did not do something, she would lose her son. She would take him to school, drive him to school, watch him walk in the building and find out later that he had left the building. The sense of urgency was real for Miss Virginia and so many others in our world. For Virginia, it became clear she needed to do something or she was going to lose her last child. At the time, the dropout rate was 46% in Washington, D.C., and she saw other kids that were also in trouble in her city. She began to organize parents, and in the end, she organized 2,000 parents. But there were roadblocks. She got signature, but more roadblocks. 
She continued to push for opportunity scholarships, which allows kids like her son to attend a better educational system. More roadblocks. There were teachers that told her, girl, why are you wasting your time? More roadblocks. She experienced political elected officials. More roadblocks. And I was trying to show my son that when a roadblock comes, you push back if it's urgent enough and you see the goal to push back. Miss Virginia kept being faithful in her response because she saw the urgency of now. We too are called to stand up for what we believe and the times, I hope you get it, are urgent. Faithful living is never easy. There will be roadblocks, lots of them. We opened up our space to daycare. Have we experienced roadblocks? Lots of them. It can be easy to get discouraged, but we plant seeds for tomorrow. What we do today will show up tomorrow. And like John and Miss Virginia, we can never lose sight that the time is now and that the time is urgent. We do our little bit for today. We plant our seeds. We hold on to hope and peace. And when we work towards the urgent calling of now, we find joy our Advent theme for this week. For Virginia, her continual pursuit and empowerment of others led to the victory of the first ever Opportunity Scholarships. There is a joy in living our faith. There is a joy in being stretched beyond what we think we are capable of. There is a joy in doing for others. There is a joy in being a voice for those whose voices and stories are often overlooked. And there is a joy in proclaiming Jesus was one of the most radical people we know. And he's been here. And he's coming back. There's a joy in opening up the Bible to help folks see what is, is not. And to liberate. And to tell the lies and the myths that have been perpetrated. There's a joy in saying to those on the margin, on the margins, if God is for us, who can be against us? There's a joy in being open and inclusive. There is a joy in sharing what you have with others. There is a joy in leaning into and living out our faith. I end today in the words of Virginia Walden Ford because I think her words are right for now. And I think she speaks what John is saying in a different way. We have a responsibility to serve our communities. We have a responsibility to fight for what is right. We have a responsibility to stand up and use our voices. We have a responsibility to make a difference. Let us, let us, let us, this faith community, handle our business. Amen and amen.